Welcome to a bonus episode of the Left Hand Backhand Podcast. It is just me today. Uh, I'm doing a little bit of tournament recap from the chess.com invitational, as well as previewing uh, the 303 doubles tournament that I have coming up this weekend that I'm running that up with Jared. So I'm just going to do a little self talk through of those events to keep my disc golf listeners uh, happy since the last couple episodes have been uh, Jeff Spangler centric, which has been a blast. Um, and so we might see a, a little bit of a change in how the left hand backhand podcast is moving forward. I'll probably have some uh, guest episodes with disc golf friends, people in the sport, talking through their bags, talking through some of the current events within the disc golf community, as well as um, their bags, you know, different tournaments that I've got coming up. So we'll, we'll keep um, a good chunk of this podcast disc golf centric. And then we're also going to keep featuring Jeff, uh, it's something that he and I have enjoyed doing. And we'll bring on our own guests with uh, Jeff and my friends and uh, not so disc golf centric. So I will try to figure out a way to make it clear as to which type of podcast uh, you're going to be listening to for whichever episode I'm producing. So, uh, yeah, just moving forward. Thanks for your patience. Thanks for your support. Um, please reach out on Instagram or on YouTube in the comments and and let me know your thoughts. Let me know uh, segments that you want to see and uh, different things that um, you may not like as much or segments that you do like. So uh, with that being said, let's jump into the chess.com invitational. So this went down in Brooksville, Florida in a piece of property that Paul Macbeth and Dylan Cease, pitcher for the Chicago White Sox, the two of them purchased this land together, and it used to be the Throw Down the Mountain tournament. Now this is the, uh, I guess it is just the Chess.com Invitational for this year. I don't know if it'll continue be, continue to be that way moving forward, but it's the Olympic Disc Golf Course or Olympus Disc Golf Course is what the property is now being called, um, and we had an, a a good first event for the year. Um, I wasn't in love with the course the first round that I watched. And then after the second and third rounds, I started to enjoy the course more. Uh, it is semi or classic Florida, heavily like dense brush off the side of the fairway. You got the the hanging moss from the trees. There's a lot to the course that is classic Florida that you don't see on the pro tour or you haven't seen on the pro tour in previous years. So that was very uh, interesting to see that being incorporated. Um, one of the unique pieces of this property and, and this tournament specifically was that Florida, you don't really think of uh, lots of elevation change and lots of hills. Um, and you probably can't even tell that much on coverage, but from everything that I've heard from the different pros that played in the tournament from as well as the coverage and, and recaps of this tournament, there's a lot of change in elevation from hole to hole. So You'd have ups and downs. You'd have something that looks like it's relatively flat, but it's a subtle incline the entire way. I can't remember which hole it is, but it's par five on the back nine. I think it's like 900 and some feet. And for the pros, that's not a big deal for them, right? But for me, that's going to be uh, three full shots to get there. 
or maybe, maybe two full shots and then, uh, you know, a shorter mid range or something like that to get into there on a flat 900 foot hole. But this thing is just subtly uphill after the tee shot the whole way and probably plays closer to like 1100, 1150. So it would be a full four shot hole for me to get to the, to the basket. Um, of course the pros don't have really to deal with, uh, those issues since they throw super far, but, um, there was some drama towards the end. However, Anthony Barella, which not spoiling anything, Anthony Barella took it down. And in this tournament, he kind of led wire to wire. So he had a four shot lead. I want to say with like four or five holes to go. Um, but Anthony was able to take it down for his first Pro Tour victory, which very uh, cool to see him show emotion and and react in just a very grateful way of you know all the people that have helped him to this point. Um, I, th- I he's one of my favorite young players, and I guess he's not that young, but he's younger and he's part of that new wave of long skinny bombers that just throw the disc a mile. Uh, and they're just fun to watch. So Anthony took it down shooting uh, minus 18 over the three rounds. However, he did double bogey hole 17. So, and he also laid up his birdie putt on 18 since he had the victory in the bag at that point. So really he would have shot like minus 21 or so. So it was like minus seven per round. Uh, Ricky Wysocki came in second place, minus 17. Aaron Gossage finished in third at minus 16. Uh, Gannon Burr in fourth place at minus 14. Kyle Klein in fifth place at minus 13. And then a three-way tie for sixth between Isaac Robinson, Matty O, and Gavin Rathbun at minus 12. And then Jesse Nieminen and Niklas Antela and Joseph Anderson finishing tied for ninth at minus 11. So uh, really the top few players, like we've, we've seen a lot of ties for second, third, and fourth. But we didn't see a tie until sixth place and then ninth place and then, you know, a bunch of ties moving that way. So really the the cream did rise to the top uh, for this particular tournament. Um, there were a number of interesting storylines with players that did not finish well, namely Calvin Heimberg and Paul McBeth, whose course it is. However, he was also just coming back from a tournament. So um, overall, I would say it's a great first tournament of the year. Um the course, like I said earlier, didn't impress me to start, but as the tournament got on, I started to enjoy the holes and saw the different, it seemed a lot like luck to me in the first round or so. And even the Joma's practice round that I watched, it seemed a lot of like, you get yourself in a good spot and then you throw a shot and you hope that you get through. Um, but watching the lead card and the dominance that they played with, you could tell it it wasn't actually just luck that they were getting through on these, you know, crazy technical holes with elevation change and OB and all, all these different variables that were coming into it. They were really dicing it up perfectly and playing for counter skips. And, you know, I don't know, just the way that they played the course was, um, made me not want to go play the course. Cause I would absolutely do terribly. Although I might uh, be interested in playing the FPL layout. I think that's kind of where, uh, personal note where I have come down to, I played, um, the fort in the pro layout, I've played, um, what is it? Emporia country club. And I played Vegas. 
I played a few of these courses uh, from the pro layouts, and while they're fun, especially to throw these shots that the pros are throwing, I think I definitely am more of the uh, <laughs> playing the FPO layouts because I can actually reach the holes and actually score well for myself to feel like I'm being a semi-successful or semi-good disc golfer. Um, so I just have a lot of respect for what they, the pros at the top level are able to accomplish. So, um, FPO, I didn't get to watch any of the coverage, so sorry about that. But, um, what's her name who Evelina Solonen, who misses 10, 15 foot putts, like it's nobody's business took it down. So good for her. We'll see if she can continue that putting streak moving forward. Um, I think that if we can get more of those struggling putting FPO players to actually put up some decent numbers in terms of putting percentage, um, they could actually push Kristen and and Paige and, and the other top tier pros. You could see uh, more variance in terms of who's actually winning tournaments this year. So that's the chess.com invitational. If you have any additional thoughts on that, let me know. Appreciate it. Um, okay, moving forward, uh, my buddy Jared texted me probably like a week and a half or two weeks ago, and he goes, hey, there's a 303 doubles tournament going on at the uh, Upper Badlands course, which is just a little bit northwest of Denver in like Westminster, I want to say. And he was like, you want to be my doubles partner? And I'm like, that sounds like a fantastic way to start my disc golf season, especially since the end of my year last year kind of um, did not go the way I wanted it to. And also just my drive had kind of waned towards the end of 2023. However, with being on Team Infinite and wanting to just, I don't know, figure out my new routines and, and get back into the disc golf scene, I thought a doubles tournament would be a perfect way to start out my 2024 season. So Jared and I are playing 303 doubles uh, this Saturday, March 2nd, and we're playing in the MA1 division, um, but there are 14 or 16 groups in our division. Uh, thank you to Kyle Harrigan for putting this on, and no offense, Kyle, but we're going to take you down. Sorry, you and John, we're coming for you guys. Uh, one of the interesting pieces of this formatted doubles tournament is that the format changes per round. So it's a two round, one day tournament. The first round is alternating T alternating shot. And then the second round is best shot doubles. So the alternating T alter alternating shot is a little different because if you were to just play straight up alternate shot, if I teed off on the, on hole one, and then Jared uh, throws an up shot to 20 feet, and I miss the putt, and Jared taps in for our four on the first hole. In normal alternate format, I would also tee off on hole two to start hole two as well. However, with this one, it doesn't matter who taps out or who finishes out the hole. It's alternating tee as well. So I will take the odd or the even holes, and then Jared would take the other. So... Uh, there's a bit more strategy with this format as uh, this course is very hilly. There's guaranteed to be wind. I think the forecast still actually shows for wind, 
we practiced it on Saturday and it didn't show that there was a forecast of wind. And by the end of it, there was a steady 25 to 30 mile an hour wind for the last like four or five holes. So yeah, from what I'm seeing, we should have decent weather. Um, temperature wise should be 64 degrees, but a lot of wind, which I hate playing in the wind. It's super annoying. Um, so looking at the strategy, the first round of it, we're playing the typical normal upper badlands layout and then three extra holes from the lower badlands are being pulled into the middle. So we're playing one through 12 and then we're playing holes 16, 17 and 15 on the lower badlands. And then we're finishing out 13 through 18 uh, in the first round as it's alternate shot, alternate T we're playing the white layout for the first four holes, as well as the final, what is that? Six holes. And then we're playing the blues from holes five through 12. So every, everybody's playing the same layout. And I guess they're just making it easier on that first round since it's alternating shot and chances of birdies reduce when you're playing to the longer pins, obviously. And then in the second round, we are playing to all blue baskets as its best shot doubles minus the three that are on the lower badlands layout. So I've gone through and created an Excel spreadsheet being the accounting nerd that I am. And I've walked through the distances on each hole, um, just mentally going through the course and trying to see who would be best suited to play the odd hole or to tee off on the odd holes versus to tee off on the even holes. Uh, and truthfully, I, don't know if there's a correct answer for this. Um, I'm hoping Jared will have stronger opinions. Uh, holes 16 and 15 on the lower layout. So the three, two of the three extra holes um, set up really well for a lefty backhand with a putter and a mid range for the two holes respectively uh, that I birdied during the Colorado States layouts. Um, so I feel very confident with those holes, but then it's kind of a coin flip on the other one. So we'll see what happens. Um, the second round playing best shot doubles. It is a, depending on the wind, just going to be a mad dash to try to get as close as you can. So you have stress-free birdies. So between Jared and myself, one or the two of us should be able to put it within the circle. And then we have two attempts to make a putt from the circle. So, if we can get our putt dialed in, which I did move my practice basket inside and I've been uh, doing a little bit of extra putting practice this week in preparation. Um, I don't know if, what our, if I had to put, you know, odds or percentages on it for how well we'll do, but I feel pretty confident that we'll be able to do okay. Um, we shot minus six during playing to the blue baskets entirely on Saturday doing alternate shot, alternate T. And that was also to not the layout that we thought we were going to be playing to. So hopefully that'll be even easier uh, moving forward. And we can, you know, maybe push for minus nine, minus nine range. Uh, at least that would be kind of my goal. I don't know how well that would place in terms of the tournament, but it should be exciting. Um, lastly, I wanted to oh, wrap it up with my in the bag for this tournament. And honestly, this will be my 
pretty much how my bag looks moving forward for the rest of the near future. There'll be some changes uh, in and out through the summer as new discs are released, aka the Ozone from Trash Panda. So shout out Jesse for always coming out with the good stuff. Um, but I just want to do a quick run through of what's in my bag and how it'll be looking for the majority of 2024, but specifically for this tournament. So um, all of my putters, mids, and approaches are not infinite. And then all but one mold of my drivers are infinite molds. So I'm feeling very confident and very excited about it. Uh, I will be putting with the link per usual, as well as throwing the link. So I've got um, four different baseline links in the bag. Got a white, not white, a blue swirly XO hard. That's a thrower. It's pretty understable. Um, so it's a nice like hyzer flip or it'll hold a turnover the whole way. Uh, I've got an extra soft link that's used for putts that I want to give it a chance, but also not have it roll away from the basket. And, you know, it just sits down better with that extra soft plastic. Um, and then I putt with either, depending on the temperature, an exo soft or an exo hard purple link. Both of them are swirly purples. They're super cool. Purple has been kind of my disc golf color um, disc of choice. And then I also have a premium plastic, a vapor Lux link. That is a, is it April jewels or something like that? And it's got a cloud breaker stamp on it. So it's always fun to say, oh yeah, I think I should throw a cloud breaker on this hole and have people look at me funny and be like, yo, this is a putter hole. You should not be throwing cloud breaker. Then I pull this out and I show them the stamp and they're all confused. They're like, wait, what? I don't understand what's going on. So it's kind of a fun little joke to people. Um, and then I have three zones in the bag currently. I've got this test flight uh, ringer GT top concept. This one's my very overstable zone. It's not quite a zone OS, but it is pretty darn stable. So it's the uh, extra wind fighter if I really need that. And then the this April Jewels Cloudbreaker link, that is my overstable link. That's the one that I, uh, it doesn't turn. It might get a little flip up if there's a slight headwind, but I trust it really a lot. So it's been good. The other two zones I have in my bag, got a jawbreaker zone. And this one I put specifically in the bag to putt with at this three or three doubles tournament, particularly if it gets really windy. Um, there's something about putting with a overstable mold that just gives me a little bit of extra confidence putting into a headwind. So that'll come out if I need a straight forehand that I don't want to move left or right, or if I need to putt into a headwind. And then my workhorse zone is this ESP flat. Actually, it's like a little bit concaved, um, bottom stamped blank zone that my boy Connor died for me. So shout out to Connor, as always, for this beautiful die. Super fun to watch spin through the air as only half of it's died. And it's got kind of a like a jellyfish parachute type concept. I don't know. It's like one of my favorite things. Um, my last putter is an inner core, and truthfully, I throw the inner core a lot. The my baseline link, the beat-in blue one, as well as this inner core, they typically fly pretty similar. However, 
this one gets a little bit more glide. So if I want to kind of rip on a putter a bit harder and just have it go super straight the entire way and not really worry about too much left or right movement, um, that's when I'll throw the inner core compared to the link, whereas the link I might throw, uh, you know, like a 70% throw and trust that it's going to turn more. Um, this doesn't get quite as much turn unless I force it. Uh, but yeah, I'll always have an inner core in the bag. Shout out, Jesse. Then I go to my mid-ranges. I only carry one mold of mid-ranges, and that's also another trash band of mold, and that's the Dune. Again, nothing's changed too much in my bag. Um, but I have my Blurple Dune, which is definitely more seasoned now. Oh my goodness. Didn't even notice there's a little bit of a warpage to this guy because it's uh <laughs> it's got some good work in in this last year. So I got my Blurple Dune, and then I have my kind of early first run dune that Jesse gave me. And this one still has a little more stability to it than my Blurple one. So the Blurple one is the workhorse. I'll throw it hyzer flip to flat, or I'll throw it hard and flat and let it get a little bit of turn and kind of pan flat. You know, it's never a lot of movement one way or the other, but that's essentially the difference between the two. Uh, moving into my drivers, uh, for those of you that have known my bag in the past, I am a mold minimalist at heart. It's what I love doing, and I will continue to be that way. I don't know why. It just It just makes sense to me. Uh, so working through my fairways first, I have the Centurion. So I have it in three different plastics. And I actually think all my infant molds, I have three different plastics in my bag currently. So I've got an eye blend one that I'm currently working to beat in to make this one my super hyzer flip to late turning, uh, just seven speed fairway that I love to work on. Um, that one's still a bit stable for not stable. It has stability right now as in it's not as understable as I want it to be, but that's kind of the point of it is I'm just trying to work on it and beat it in. And then I have a color glow metal flake uh, with X out one. This was my first infinite mold that I actually bought myself. And this is what I want the eye blend to work its way to. However, it's kind of held the same flight for a while. So it's a hyzer flip to a subtle turn and then fade. Uh, very fun to throw. Gets a good amount of distance, but not too much distance, which is nice because I don't want to get too much distance with the seven speed fairway. That's why I bag nine speeds as well. And then I also have this Halo Team Stamp Centurion as well. So I got those three molds and the Halo is just a bit more stable. It's not too overstable, especially uh, for a seven speed. I can, it matches my arm speed pretty well, so I can rip on it pretty good and it just goes very straight and then it fades out. Um, there are a number of holes where I'm planning on throwing either the iBlend or the Halo Centurion for this tournament. So I'm going to be needing to trust on those. Uh, moving up to my nine speeds, I've got my Dynasties. So I've got three Dynasties in the bag. One is a Metal Flake Color Glow with an Eric Oakley bottom stamp on it. It's pretty cool. And this one is the flippiest of the three, and it's brand new, but it's already like a perfect hyzer flip up and very straight pushing fade to it. So kind of what I wanted the dynasty to be out of the box, that disc is, which is really cool. 
Um, then I've got a Swirly S Blend. Truthfully, I've only thrown this disc like two or three times, um, but it's a bit more stable, and I will throw this into a headwind more so to get just a natural, like from the headwind flip up to it. Um, I threw it on a downhill hole into a headwind, and I think the basket was like, is it 420 or something like that? Or I can't remember. It was super far downhill, and it was my best throw because I got the angle right. And I was like, okay, well, we got something to work with with this disc. And then lastly, you'll find this very similar across all three of my mold or all four of my infinite molds. Uh, I've got a team stamp, Halo Dynasty, and this one is very overstable, especially for right now. Uh, I actually really like throwing this on forehands, where if I want a little more um, glide and more natural distance than the next disc, which I'll talk about. Um, so I'll, I'll throw this one forehand and backhand. Um, backhand is, I will try to throw forced flexes with this, knowing that I want it to fade out pretty good. Um, and then moving up to my final fairway is the Scepter. Again, in the same three plastics, uh, Swirly S Blend, uh, Color Glow, and Halo. This Halo one is beefy. Like I'll throw this thing on kind of chop angles, but uh, or I'll just throw it on big spike hyzers knowing that it's not going to get that far it's going to get to a 45 degree angle and just hold that 45 degree angle all the way until it gets to the ground there's a downhill hole can't remember what it is maybe nine or ten or so yeah i think it's hole nine um that i'll throw that one on it's like 340 ish but it's all downhill and you don't want it to skip far so i'm throwing it short on purpose and playing for a little bit of that like skip and scooch to the basket but just throwing it on on all hyzers so it's been a super trustworthy disc and i love the way the scepter feels uh, i just got this swirly s blend one from micah so shout out to micah this is a cameron cole glazer and it's also got a little team stamp on it it's pretty cool and micah says that this one is very very straight so I haven't thrown it yet, but we're going to do a little bit of field work this week before the tournament just to confirm our current situation. Um, but this will be kind of straight forehands. And then I imagine it'll be very similar to the Halo Dynasty, but that's why I'm going to compare the two of them. So that way I can kind of choose which one I want to keep moving forward, but also just having a trustworthy straight forehand nine speed is crucial for my game being a lefty. And then the last scepter is this Drew Gibson color glow one. And this one is also very straight, but it still has a lot of stability at the end of it. So I can trust this one to throw it hard and flat. And it just goes super straight for 75 to 80% of its flight and then fades at the end of it. So the difference between the halo and the color glow one is that the halo one is going to get to that 45 degree angle pretty quickly. Whereas the color glow is going to just hold straight and then burn over at the very end of the flight, which is exactly what I'm looking for when I'm running with my nine speed forehand discs. Cause that's for those of you that have played with me enough, that's a very big part of my game. And I'll throw the, those nine speeds anywhere from like 300 on a spike Kaiser to like 370 or so, just based on how much power I want to throw into it and, or how much flex. Um, but that's a, it's probably, 
my most trustworthy part of my game, I would say. Moving into my distance drivers, I have two molds, two backhand, and two forehand. I mean, I guess I can throw all of them forehand too. Um, we'll start first with the non-infinite mold, and that is the honey. It's a Clash Discs honey. Uh, this one's uh, in a steady plastic, and it's, um, I don't even know what you'd call it. It's got like specks of white in it. I don't know. It looks really cool. I've had it for a little bit. I, I guess I got it over a year ago, but I haven't used it a crazy amount. So as this continues to beat in, we'll see how it continues to fly. But this is a Heiser Flip getting turn max distance backhand shot for me. I can push this out to 400 with a good pump, making sure I get the right nose angle on it. Um, but if I want to throw a backhand distance shot, or if I want to put Annie on it and try to get it to hold and, you know, that's what I'm going to throw the honey. It's a good disc. And then I've got my three emperors in the bag. So I've got an eye blend emperor and this one is 170 grams. This is, I only threw it back in for the first time on Saturday. This is the first time I've thrown 12 speeds since like October. Uh, yeah, I guess mostly back in. I threw a couple forehands this winter, but um, I threw this guy into a medium headwind, not like a big headwind, but I threw it into a headwind with 45 degrees of hyzer, and it got just the beautiful flip up and turn and just beautiful flight. And then I threw it on a hole where it was, we were kind of covered by the wind from this hill. And I just threw a flat distance driver shot with this thing. So this will be kind of my primary uh, overstable backhand distance driver as this beats in. It's eye blend plastic, so I imagine it'll beat in maybe not too quickly, but over time it'll it'll get some wear and become more and more flippy, which will be nice because I can either cycle it in or I can just start going to the next disc, which is my swirly S blend team stamp emperor. And this thing is beautiful. I guess on camera, you can't really tell right now. But in the natural sunlight, there's like pink hues through the center of this disc. It's just, it's beautiful. And I love it. Um, this is my primary forehand distance driver. So I'll throw this thing flat and it'll get natural turn to it and just my max distance. Or I can throw it with hyzer and it might get a slight flip up to it. Maybe not full flip to flat, but a little bit of flip up play to it. Um, just very trustworthy. I mean, it's what people want a destroyer to be right out of the box. And for me, I've never been a destroyer guy, but this feels better than a destroyer to me. This one's very flat top and uh, I'm sure I could throw this backhand into a heavy headwind if I wanted to, but this is my primary go-to forehand distance driver. And I think I have, <laughs> I've mapped out in my tournament notes, how many times I'm throwing certain shots. And I've got a bunch of forehand emperor, forehand scepter, forehand scepter, forehand emperor, uh, scepter, 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 emperor. Yeah. So I've got a lot of emperor shots, especially to those blue baskets. So that'll be a, a very well used disc in my bag. And then wrapping up the last disc in my bag is a halo emperor. This thing is pop top. Probably can't hear this on the mic, but this thing is very overstable. I threw this into a stiff headwind uphill and I threw it flat and it got turned to it, but it still fought out 
even through the headwind. Um, just very overstable. Probably won't get a ton of use unless I need to throw like a um, something that I want to go like 350 on a spike hyzer kind of line. But for the most part, we lean on that swirly S blend. Uh, the last last two discs in my bag, they're not discs, they're minis, is my OG Trash Panda Mini. This is number 202 that I got from Jesse when I first met him. Super cool. And then this factory second mini that my boy Connor died for me. And it matches the same die as my blank ESP puddle top. So has the same die to it. You always got to have something in the bag that reminds you of those that you love playing the game with. So I'm very excited to have, I mean, I pretty much only pull out this number 202. It's OG when it's tournament time. Um, but this guy stays in the bag. So shout out to Connor. Thank you. Love you. Appreciate it. Uh, and I am rep- repping the new Squatch Lore 2.0 bag. I'm super stoked about it. It holds all the discs that I want. And it is extremely comfortable. Uh, I've had bag envy for the last, I don't know, year or so. Where I've wanted to get something that's really cool and, and feels like me. Not just, uh, I don't know, not just something that gets the job done, but something that I'm very excited about that I, I feel good about, you know, putting all my junk in and playing for a two round tournament, carrying a backpack on my back. And this disc or this backpack is perfect. It's super comfortable, holds everything. It's got enough space for multiple water bottles and all my snacks and my little first aid kit and all my discs and everything. So um very excited to be busting this out it's been it's a it's been a process and i'm very excited to get back into the tournament scene i'm excited to rep team infinite this year I'm excited to play with jared so shout out to jared and uh yeah i i believe next week if not this weekend uh jared and i will be posting a tournament recap and kind of letting you guys know how we did and hopefully taking down the dub but at the very least, having fun with it. So that's the pod. Appreciate y'all tuning in. Uh, I believe next week we're going to have another uh, Spangler episode on. So uh, stay tuned for that. And stay tuned for the tournament recap. But until then, lefties out.